Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On this packed house episode of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam, Jeremiah, Jeff, and Lewis look at West Ham's season up to the international break and look ahead to West Ham's match against Aston Villa on Monday night. We close out the episode by answering the best of Hammers Polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are here with episode 34. Four, excuse my hiccups, live uh, as we record this here uh, on a beautiful Wednesday in the world. And we are excited because the international break is coming to a close. Technically, it closes this weekend. However, West Ham are pushed off until Monday. We will get into that a little bit more in a second. First, let me introduce the crew here. Uh, as Excuse me, I'm fighting hiccups, so please thank you for having patience. Uh, as per usual, Jeremiah is here. Jeremiah, how you doing? What's up, buddy? I'm doing well. Are you uh, you fighting through this? Are you going to make it? I'll make it. I'll make it. Uh, hopefully, there's no crazy predictions or anything. Maybe that'll scare me out of these hiccups. <laughs> Jeff, how is the Lone Star State treating you? Still hot, waiting for fall, and uh, praying and thoughts to you for your hiccups. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. <laughs> and we have a new addition to the podcast here, who's uh, someone who's been writing for us for a little while now uh, over you know, a couple months now uh we have lewis pie here lewis how you doing yeah i'm good thank you it's uh nice to uh be on a platform where i can actually speak rather than write for a change but yeah That's all. well we're <laughs> glad to have you looking and, forward. and you know what with, yeah, without uh, scott John- johnson here it's nice i think our legitimacy gets upped with uh with someone who's speaking with an english accent uh, on the show, and, and we'll get taken <laughs> for serious a little bit more. <laughs> gentlemen. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Go on. No, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, I uh, I will lead us into our first little talking point here, and that is basically looking at West Ham after our first set of matches and uh, coming up to the first interna- international break. We're through August with a winning record. We're into September, and we're looking ahead at the next set of matches again into October coming up. Um, Lewis, I'm going to start with you. We'll break you in here. Yep. Uh, how would you rate West Ham's first segment of the season? This, look at the first set of matches here, the results, the players, and uh, is there room for improvement? How do you see West Ham jumping off from that? Just give us your general idea on where the team is at right now. Okay, so after the first four games, um, yeah, I'm, like most West Ham fans, I'm pretty happy with it. Obviously, it was a very disappointing start against City. I mean, it was always going to be a bit of a uh, kind of a free pass game. So there was that, but 5-0 was a very disappointing result, especially heading into the season, optimistic and whatnot. Then uh, the Brighton game, we were, I think most people will agree, we were pretty rubbish in that as well. Mm. But uh, we... We earned the point with uh, our second half performance, I guess. 
Antonio came on, made the difference. And then I think we started to get going uh, during the Watford game, really. I mean, we took the lead in the first minute there. And we've not really looked back since, have we? Um, it's very disappointing that Antonio got injured in the uh, Newport game in the Cup. He was looking like arguably our best player at that moment in time. Uh, but the thing is now that we've got depth and we have got quality in attacking positions that maybe we hopefully won't miss in as much as we maybe would have in previous seasons. Obviously, Anderson uh, is looking sharp at the minute, Lanzini, and obviously Ale is 3-3 three and three now, isn't it? So, August, I'd rate maybe a 7, seven or 8 out of 10 overall, and heading into this Villa game now, sorry, <clears throat> heading into the Villa game, I think... We've got reason to be optimistic. Well, heading into the Villa game and the Man United game the weekend after, I'm optimistic of, you know, six points. Why not? All right, yeah, I think that, I think that's a solid breakdown there. We kind of... I, I agree with what you're saying as well about the Brighton match, too. It, we, we were kind of outplayed, certainly in the first half in that match, but it seemed like uh, enough adver- adversity that we could overcome it as a, as a core group. <clears throat> And push on from that point. That was kind of the turning point or the page that needed to be turned. So yeah, I think it. Was, I think it was very important. We got a point on board the, after the initial opening game, so it was a good starting point. Yeah, and we can thank Chicharito for that. Uh, no longer a member <laughs> of the team. Actually, I don't know if we've talked about that since uh, since that transfer happened. But uh, Chicharito no longer at West Ham. A sad moment, but we'll move on because knock on wood. Sebastian Allaire is uh, looking like he's in fine form for the season and, and going to take us forward. Uh, Jeremiah, when looking at our last competition, we played Norwich, a newly promoted team, a team that ran away with the championship last year. Team Lapuki was throwing a party and everyone was watching him score on his way to the Golden Boot of August. And turns out West Ham <clears throat> shut him down and shut the team down and ended up basically taking a match that should have been a lot more than 2 to nil. Do you think West Ham can sort of translate any of that uh, any of that new promoted team momentum uh, and dump it on Aston Villa as well? Yeah, you know, I think we have to. I think looking at uh, previous seasons, you know, we haven't done that. And I think that we've seen it already so far. You know, Brighton's kind of been a kryptonite for us. And we kind of, we, we, it's only a point, but we took care of it away. You know, and then also with the Norwich game, we came out, we looked sharp. There was a couple minutes at the beginning where it didn't look so good. But after that, I mean, really, we controlled the entire match, in my opinion. And we took it out. We kept Puki out of the match pretty well. It seems that the defense is probably, like I've written about before, I, I think we have our best back line right now. And um, whether people want to you know, believe that or not, I think it's just where we are. And, yeah, I think we need to take the same kind of ideas going forward. You know, I feel like Pellegrini probably has his best starting eleven. Question marks on where Four Niles might fit in there, if he does fit in there, and where that's going to go. Hopefully he does, you know, hopefully he has a good season. He doesn't come and come some kind of like, you know, just kind of disappears and falls away. But I think that what we have right now, we got to stick with and absolutely can use everything from the Norwich match and everything from the Watford match and just keep pushing that forward. 
Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment, and hopefully it's you know it actually takes place. I, I think Villa they have, they have some more threatening pieces and more exciting pieces than Norwich, but Norwich are a more com- complete team as they showed last season and this season thus far. Villa did get robbed and are motivated. Hopefully, uh, the international break is taking some sting out of them after that awful dis- decision of of uh, Grealish diving. But regardless, we'll move on and, and we'll we'll sort of line that up, Jeff. <clears throat> I want sorry. I, I again I apologize for the hiccups and the noise and everything of me struggling over here. But uh, Jeff, I want to get your opinion on West Ham's attack. Uh, it, it's it seems like after Yarmolenko's strong game against Norwich City, he's the go-to right winger. Do you see West Ham as having a, a, a you know an A lineup and a B lineup, or other pieces pieces that are going to be mixing in and out of that uh, pretty deadly attack? Well, let's cop out and say both. I, I think the the attack has been rounding into form. Um, obviously, uh, as Lewis said, let's throw that first match out. It would have been nice to at least get on the score sheet, but we were shut out. And then Sebastian Allaire came up with a knock after that one, missed the next game. And then since he's been back into the lineup, guess what? The goals have been coming too. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. We've all written about it. The skill he has, even without the ball, but with the skill with the ball at his feet kind of sets everything up. I think it's no coincidence that Lanzini's look great. Anderson's look great. Uh, we talked about Antonio. I think that loss is obviously going to be felt over time. But Yarmolenko there on the right wing, uh, he made his presence felt against Norwich. There's no doubt. That was a patented Yarmolenko goal, if there is such a thing for West Ham. That's exactly like the goals he scored last year for us. Uh, before he got hurt, but I think that's possibly a place where Fornals could look to to come into the squad if he can turn Pellegrini's head during training. Um, maybe Yarmolenko can go the 90 minutes. Maybe he can't. Maybe that's where Fornals gets into it. Uh, of course, we still have Robert Snodgrass in there trying to fight for some playing time too at the end of matches or or to find his way into the into the lineup somewhere. But I think, as Jeremiah mentioned, you know, things are are going through right now, and and we we are strong, and so I don't really see too many changes here with the team moving forward. We have the best back line and the probably the best starting eleven, minus Antonio being in it because of the injury that we've had, and I would expect things to look the same heading into the Villa match, at least uh, in, until we see what the team looks like then. Lewis or Jeremiah, do you want to chime in on on the look of West Ham's attack? Is it looking a little more potent now? Is it interchangeable, or is another injury spell the end of West Ham's current success? Um, yeah, I'll go. Um, I think, yeah, it's starting to click, starting to gel. <laughs> but, like you say, um, another injury could mean, I mean, who do we bring in, say, if Anderson gets injured? I think we would suddenly start to look pretty bare because while Anderson doesn't always contribute directly to goals or assists, he is consistently one of our best players in general play. And I think just an ex- just as an example is Norwich game. He didn't get in a go- uh, He didn't contribute to any goals there, but everyone knew he was man of the match. So, for example, if he gets injured, I'm not sure like where we're left. I think with Fernals, I think he best operates in the centre where Lanzini's currently playing, and that's where his best form for Villarreal came. Um, so at the minute, I'm not sure where he fits in the team unless he was to be put on either wing, where Anson and Yarmolenko currently operate. Um, but yeah, there's always 
the option of bringing Dean Garner back if push came to shove. But I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what the terms are on that. Whether we can bring him back before January or not. Does anyone know? I, I think he's got a January yeah. recall clause, but uh, I'm not but sure. We I don't can't think bring he him can back before back. that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. Jeremiah, any any yeah, uh, anything so, else to yeah. add? Yeah, I mean, I agree completely with with Lewis and what he said. I think that um, we're pretty. We're, we're solid right now, right? And so Anderson goes out, you know, maybe, you know, the story is maybe you move Lanzini out there, you put Fornals in the middle. Even up front, if something, you know, knock on wood, doesn't happen to Allaire, you know, you have a Yeti, possibly. We haven't really got to see him too much, but he's got the potential to be there. We have Silva coming back. And so I, I think that there's going to be those capabilities that are there, but too much injury. If there's too much and there's too if you know two or three pieces fall in one time it could we could be struggling to find the to find the right match but we are is we're maybe not deeper than we have been but as far as being deeper we do have more talent that runs deeper yeah and I, you know if you I'm sorry go ahead there I'm Jeff. sorry I was going to say we we mentioned Chicharito briefly and look going back to that Brighton game <clears throat> scored the goal if I'm not mistaken to to rescue the point right mm-hmm. and he's done mm-hmm. that over the time that he spent at West Ham he's had some key goals for us to rescue points uh from matches and he's not there so i think really when you're talking about the west ham attack and the injuries it's not so much that he was the answer but if if our striker and that's a really big let's knock on wood here i don't even want to say this out loud but we're really thin that striker right now and as i mentioned as soon as he came back into the lineup uh, after he had to miss the one game with the with the thigh injury that's when everything started to click and he kind of is playing off all of these other players and it's all working together so i agree with these guys one injury at the wrong spot especially at that spot and i think the attack goes from looking pretty great and threatening to pretty pedestrian quickly yeah i'm also not convinced west ham need to bring in a free agent striker uh i wrote a piece on it of okazaki or sorry is okazaki yeah shinji okazaki uh formerly of Leicester fame uh, so signed with the second a second division team in Spain almost immediately after being released. So he was gone. But you know, Wilfred Boney doesn't light the world on, on fire. Get me excited. I I would like to see possibly Yarmol- Yarmolenko as a striker. He obviously can fire the ball, but he also would probably thrive in a position where he doesn't have to track back as much as West Ham's wide players do. So I'd like to see that. Uh, a point I was going to make before, and I'd love to have your guys' opinion on it, is basically. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are giving love to a team like Leicester, who on paper put put together a really nice squad. They played fine last season. Uh, I thought they're at level with West Ham, despite what the table says. Uh, even with West Ham being up, uh, maybe a little bit more on them, just based off of head-to-head performances and whatnot. However, everyone's ready to crown Leicester, you know, the next team to jump into the top six and mix things up, based off of I guess them winning the league a few years ago, but. There's been so much turnover, I don't buy into that. West Ham is one of these teams that people say, okay, they have it on paper, but prove it. Now they have to prove it. No other team really has to prove it as much as West Ham does. Uh, maybe, you know, the criticism on Manchester United now would sway that conversation, but West Ham always seem to be underestimated and, you know, make good moves that, that look fine, but but don't pan out a la Chicharito. Now they're starting to prove it. I know it's in a small sample size and it's early in the year, but if the hammers can sort of bunker down here and, and push forward. I think I think you could start to see people giving this team a lot of credit where it's very much overdue. 
and you can see them, you know, taking on teams like Manchester United come the end of the month. Excuse me, cruising right over them and and moving on to you know looking past teams like Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Oxford in the League Cup, and saying okay Everton now that's a team that's on our level. Let's go, you know cruise past Newcastle, cruise past Burnley. Okay Tottenham, let's go. Chelsea, let's go. Arsenal, Wolves, let's go. That's a bad stretch of games right there in November and December. Hmm. Um, yeah. But you know and then Liverpool, which was postponed. But anyways, West Ham have a chance here with some softer competition to to galvanize the team prove what they can do against these lower division team lower level teams not lower division pardon me uh and and that that does start with aston villa again they were robbed and they were a team that sort of they look more threatening and act more threatening than they play uh but i I would love to, to get your guys opinion on how you see this match playing out who you think the key contributors could be, what the score will be. Uh, Lewis, we'll jump back to you again here. You're going to get the first say on everything in this uh, in this your inaugural <laughs> podcast. So uh, I, I want to hear, you know, are you concerned about this match? What comes to your mind when you think about Aston Villa? Uh, yeah, just to go back to your initial point regarding people underestimating us, I'm quite happy to uh, have us flying under the radar, if you will. Because I think it puts less pressure on us. I mean, like you say, people are crowning Leicester like the team to push into the top six. But I think that will only put pressure on them and a weight of expectancy that, you know, maybe they can't handle. But with us, if people aren't necessarily giving us that title, then, you know what, we might surprise a few people. Regarding the Aston Villa game, there's always that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind isn't there? when it comes to West Ham, no matter how well we're playing. Uh, Aston Villa away in the past, or a game like that, would definitely be a game we could potentially slip up in. We've, we did it plenty of times last season, think of Burnley away. Um, Bournemouth away like we just tend to put in these terrible performances where we really shouldn't but uh, it's cautious cautious. gotta be cautiously optimistic is what I'm trying to say there um, because we like everyone knows we, we have a better team we have a better manager than Aston Villa but you've seen what they did to Everton a couple of weeks ago, who, like you say, is on our level. Uh, it's fair to say they're on our level. And Everton were the better team throughout the game, but with the home support and, uh, you know, riding high, uh, Villa came out 2 0 winners in the end. And we've got to be careful not to let that happen to us. We've got to take our chances when they come, because they will come. And at the minute, you do, like, as well as we played against Norwich, we won 2-0. It, let's be honest, we could have easily scored 5 or 6 Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we've got to, like I say, we've just got to take our chances when we come. And we've got to be, because we will, at times, be put under a lot of pressure with being the away side. No doubt about it. And we've got to resist that pressure. We've got to keep the shape that we did in the Norwich game 
And if we do all that, then we might uh, sneak a win. Yeah, Jeremiah, do you want to chime in, or, or Jeff, or Jeff, there about you know the sort of general feeling heading into this match? Yeah, I think uh, I think Lewis is right. You know, we always are cautiously optimistic as West Ham fans, and uh, we don't want to get too far ahead of it and then be blown <laughs> away by it. like, oh crap, uh, that didn't work out so well. I think with Villa, the one thing you got to watch out with is is they are they're a solid team. Their midfield is extremely solid. Um, that's where the majority of their points have come from. And um, I think that's it's going to be a good match, a good matchup between our midfield and their midfield as far as just kind of who's going to control it. And um, that's going to be the big point for me to take away. But, you know, like you said, Lois, it's, it's not a game that we should just go – we should expect to win it, sure, but we shouldn't go in there and just roll it over or else we, you know what's going to happen as West Ham, especially with Man United coming up just a couple of days later. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty – it's still a big match, you know, coming off of the break, keep the momentum high. And just keep rolling because, like you said, Adam, you know, we get through this next stretch of four or five games that are pretty simple, and then November and December look pretty tough. So get the points that you can now and then hope that that momentum keeps carrying you. Yeah, yeah just, to, uh, sorry, one second. Um, I was just going to say, regarding the Man United game afterwards, I'm, I think I'm definitely more confident of three points in that game than the Villa game just because I know I just know we'll turn up for that game you know it's the kind of game that Mark Noble lives for mm. he always turns up in these kind of fixtures and uh, I just think we'll blow Man United away personally at home as well ready to grab but, yeah. Paul Pogba by the throat like last time <laughs> <laughs> Jeff have at it I just was going to say, you know, and I happen to agree about Man U, and the main difference right there is that, you know, Man United is kind of, when you look at what they're supposed to be, seem to be kind of in shambles, where Aston Villa is newly promoted, and they're going to be scrappy and, you know, aggressive and all those kind of things, and one game is at home and one game is not. And I think that's the thing, is I, I echo what these guys have said, cautiously optimistic. I think it's also key right now that that West Ham keep the momentum because it builds confidence, and that's the thing. Um, going on the road here, this is going to be a tough game, but if you come out of it with a point or if you play well and come out with a point or, or all three points, that's going to do nothing but continue the momentum the club has heading into that Man United game and then to these other matches uh, ahead of us here before the schedule does start to get tough. And it will. And you know what? In a 38-game league schedule there are going to be ebbs and flows and there's also going to be stretches that are really really tough but these are all points that are there for the taking right now with a club playing with confidence like West Ham and so I feel like every week when it's time to do predictions I, I feel the same it's like well it may not be pretty it's going to be kind of scrappy but I think West Ham's going to win two to one and it seems like that's another one of these matches right here and and I take the point to what Jeremiah said uh, I think he, Everton went in there or maybe it was Lewis Everton went in there and they got spanked two to nothing to despite the fact that they were the better club on paper and they were the better club on the pitch that day, but it didn't work out for them. And so I think we need to go into there uh, respecting what they can do at home, uh, building on our confidence and, and coming out of there with a result. I would love to give my take on this match, guys, but I don't know if I could add anything other than some hiccups uh, <laughs> on top of what you've already said. I think we've wrapped, excuse me, wrapped it up very well. Um, and on that note, we're going to take a quick pause here. And when we come back, we're going to answer some listener questions as well as some Hammers Polls questions, so keep it locked here. All right, welcome back to the Green Tree Hammers Podcast. Again, episode 34 is here, and we are jumping into uh, the, this 
you know, the, the ever reliable, now always dependable hammers pulls section of the podcast. Uh, we're looking at the questions uh, that give us sort of the West Ham pulse of all the supporters on Twitter. Their handle is at hammers pulls on Twitter. You can also go to hammerspulls.com and sign up for any of the, the multiple uh, different contests they have going. Snap Polls Saturdays is a great one. Whoever gets the most votes on their polls on Saturdays. Uh, you know, there's a leaderboard and there will be prizes handed out for that. I get smashed by Flump9 and Jeremiah on a weekly basis and I'm losing uh, hope. It's so, me. <laughs> so please jump in there and, and help out with that. Um, guys, uh, let's let's go snake draft style here. And uh, for those of you that know, that's going to be basically one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one, back and forth for answers. We're going to go, and let me write this down so I don't forget it as well. As mentioned, Lewis, you get uh, preferential treatment as your first time here. So we're going to go Lewis, Jeff, Adam, Jeremiah, and we'll go back and forth after that. Uh, okay, we are going to start with what I think is a terrific hammers poll question. Just put out an hour ago, 200 votes on it as of right now. But uh, Lewis, we're going to you first. Valencia have sacked their manager and the club's major summer signing has only played three minutes for them so far. If he was available in January, would you sign Maxi Gomez? If so, for how much uh, would you sign him? Please let me have your thoughts on this great question. No, I wouldn't (laughs) sign him. (laughs) Uh... I didn't particularly want him when we were even linked to him in the summer because I just found he was overrated. I've, to be fair, I've only watched him a handful of times in the Liga, but he's not got the capabilities of what Allaire's got, and I don't get why Allaire wasn't our mm. initial go-to, to be honest, in the first place. But uh, no, especially because he would definitely be number two behind Halle now and you know obviously it's all hypothetical but he wouldn't be happy with that we'd have a unhappy player on the bench who would have cost sorry how much was it he was what 45 what they're talking about with him or 30 uh, no would, 35 would we, be, would we be buying him for that much yeah I, it seems like a, okay. a fair point I mean for that much money you that is a you're gonna want to start a really aren't you Hell and we could be better off spending uh, that money elsewhere, um, preferably in midfield next to Declan Rice. That's a that's a solid point, I think. Jeff, do you have any uh, alternating views, or would you like to agree? I agree. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my god, it's almost unanimous. Um, let me jump in. I take him on loan, uh, but again, no, no. Um, no treatment uh, where it's, you know, the Grady D and Ghana styles where he's, he's guaranteed to get some minutes. Uh, yeah, if they want to send him on loan, that's great. What would be ideal for West Ham right now would be Valencia to fail out of Champions League for all that Champions League football. He was looking forward to playing with them. Uh, Valencia, sorry, Sevilla to step up and take their spot. And then uh, <coughs> West Ham gets even more money in their pockets for that Chicharito sale. That's but. Right. Uh, Jeremiah, bookend us here. What do you think? Yeah, no, I got nothing different to say. Uh, wouldn't take him. It's too much money. I wanted him, you know, back when we were talking about trying to get him. It was pretty disappointing when we didn't. But looking at it now, you know, it was always hindsight's 2020. And it looks better looking at it now. I'm I'm ex- extremely excited to where West Ham is with Halaire over him. And uh, no, I wouldn't take him. 
Uh, 68% of people agree with you guys saying no. Uh, 32% are amongst the me people who I don't know what they pay for them, <laughs> but maybe it's maybe it's just a loan fee. Anyways, contrarian. I'm trying to be contrarian here. Get some conversation going. Jeff's simple no answer didn't inspire me. <laughs> That's not uh, okay, Work next, on it. next question. Next question. 429 votes. What will be the result when West Ham play Villa next Monday? Send your score predictions and all correct answers will be retweeted. Uh, so if you want to get shouted out by a pretty uh, prominent West Ham page, there you go. West Ham win. Aston Villa win. Scoreless draw. Goalless. Jeremiah, have at it. West Ham win. I'm not going to give away the uh, score prediction yet because that will come out later. And Plus, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. Wow. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think West Ham win. We uh, keep the ball rolling. And uh, and keep this month going, yeah. Uh, I say West Ham win as well. I think it's going to be a bit of a goal fest. I want to say I don't know what, I don't mm-hmm. know what characterizes it as a goal fest, but I'll I'll give you a teaser to our preview piece. My prediction is three two West Ham. Uh, I think Graylish will get on the score sheet just because he scares me a bit, but we'll see. There's th- this game's got a penalty written all over it as well, maybe multiple. The you know Claritin blue on Claritin blue. I could see that happening. Jeff, what do you think? I definitely think the uh, confidence is high right now. I think uh, the club goes in and, and pulls out a win, and I'll hold my score prediction too. Mm. Uh, but I think West Ham will win. Good man, Lewis. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I agree with everyone there. I think we'll win. God, this podcast of- sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we're all agreeing we'll, we'll lose, we'll lose. <laughs> no I do think we'll win though so um, I think I predicted us to win 3-1 at Watford a couple of weeks ago and I didn't get it out in time oh and then um, yeah I predicted that one too it, yeah it wasn't put out in time <laughs> so no one knew of my amazing prediction but You're brilliant. I'll predict 3-1 now <laughs> to make up for that I like it. I like um, it. Maybe I'll be right again. Who do you, who do you have for goals on three one? Me. Yeah. Um, ooh. Good question. Uh, gonna have to back Haller to get, you know, to continue a streak. I'll say he'll get another brace. And Lanzini's first goal of the season. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Okay, we'll hide that. We'll we'll keep the rest away from from uh the podcast and we'll leave it into the piece um this is an interesting qu- oh actually let's put it in there west Ham win 78 percent agree with us scoreless sorry score draw is second with 13 percent, and then eight uh, percent of people agree with lewis that aston villa will win the match okay <laughs> next one here uh this is an interesting one it's only from 10 hours ago 234 votes on it um, but apparently, I'll sort of provide some context, and Lewis, you can start us off again. Apparently, Josh Cullen was man of the match in uh, Ireland's his Ireland, Ireland senior debut uh, in their win. This question is, Josh Cullen made his first international debut for Ireland this weekend, uh, or made his international debut for Ireland this weekend and put in a man of the match performance. Would you still like to see him in the West Ham first team, yes or no? Lewis, thoughts on this one? No. I... How old is he now? Sorry, 23. is he 23? 23. It's not like he's even a youngster breaking through anymore. I think by 23, he should have shown more than he has uh, to be able to contest our first team. I know we've not got much depth in that area, which may 
you know, work in his favour in the future. But I've honestly never been overly impressed with him, to be honest. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously he got man of the match, like you say, last night. Um, I didn't see it, but... No, I'd, I hope he proves me wrong, but uh, I, I don't think he's got what it takes to, you know, go to the level where we, you know, are aiming for top six. Yeah, they played uh, Bulgaria as well. So uh, besides that team having a handful of gentlemen named Dimitrov, I don't know anyone on that team name, on that <laughs> team list. Hmm. Um, I'll jump in here. Uh, I say no as well. This is the last year on his deal. He seems to be at a, at a good spot for him right now. So uh, I think I think this is just the natural progression of things. He, he looks to be a good player. He kind of blows hot and cold. He's 23. I think if you're going to have a look at Josh Cullen stepping into this team in the future, you're overlooking Connor Coventry, who by all, uh, by all accounts yeah. is a better prospect than Cullen ever was. Let's say Mark Noble you know, blows out a quad in January. Recall Josh Cullen. And you have, you know, a little bit more depth there. Someone who knows, you know, who can step in and play the West Ham way, quote-unquote, who's been here for a long time, he's a West Ham fan, all that good stuff. I think there's a role for him in that sense, but that's a very specific instance. And I think, you know, good on him for doing this and, and stepping up, but I think he's at his level now. And, you know, I can see him being one of those guys who helps a team, you know, get into a rele- or get into a promotion battle to, to join back in the Premier League and, you know, become sort of a cult player at a, at a club Mm. Uh, at a different level but as of right now if West Ham have Josh Cullen in their starting lineup I don't think you're seeing them push into the top six what about you there Jeff yeah we're in trouble right and it's funny when we're describing some of the traits of Josh Cullen at 23 it reminds me of the exact same things we would be saying about Jack Wilshire at what is he 26 27 I don't know what his exact age is but you know finding his level hot and cold uh, in the preseason he was our best player and then you get to actual Premier League games that matter and he's invisible and all those things remind me of the player you're describing in Josh Cullen albeit less experienced and the pedigree of Jack Wilshire at that age was off the charts right to lewis's point if you have a young player that is going to achieve great things in the premier league you know about that player at 19 20 years old he's made his mark uh and josh cullen has failed to do that up to this point uh i would like to chime in and apologize i have screwed up my own organization of who's saying what (laughs) jeremiah i do have that you're last here so go ahead and, and give us your thoughts no i uh i agree with you guys i think that you know, this was his year. I said it before. This was kind of his year. This preseason was his time to, to show that he was a part of this club. And I think that nothing against him. I think he's a great. He can be a great player. He can be a really good player. But I think that his time is, is run up. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, as as much or as little as we want to talk about how what he could be, there's a lot of potential coming up behind him that we can't squash. And there's a lot of potential ahead of him that is not going to give him the opportunity to get in there and play. So I think it's just kind of he's kind of in a you know between a rock and a hard place, and I think that he's just kind of found that spot where it's been too long, and he, he will be a good player wherever he ends up going eventually. But I just I would say no for West Ham. I think that's fair. Um, there the vote was just shy of three hundred votes, as I'd said, and the vote uh, result so far is a dead fifty-fifty split. So we're mm-hmm. unanimous here, Ooh. but. Uh, the people love him. It's all because he got his teeth knocked out and didn't want to come out of the game. I think that's why. Yeah. I like him for that, too. Was that at Shrewsbury away? 
Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, a, I was. At, I was at that game. That, oh, there you go. Look at that. There you go. And you still voted that you don't want him on the team. Yeah, and I, I, I wanted him even less. I think. <laughs> Lewis, I think you're no, gonna have a pretty I, I solid mind, spot on but... this podcast. If I'm being honest with you. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, another question here. This one's interesting as well. Um, take into consideration injury history and whatnot, but also you know the momentum of the club. Lanzini will be uh, the last player to return from international duty and is expected to arrive back in London on Friday night. He played for Argentina yesterday. He only played, I think, 13 minutes, uh, but he'll have two days of clear rest before Villa, the Villa match on Monday. Does Manuel Lanzini start at Villa Park? Jeremiah, you are the first one to answer here. I wrote that down. I looked at it. I checked it. It's for sure you. Checked Please it. go ahead. Are you, sh- are you sure? I'm going to right. double down. <laughs> you know, uh, yes, we play him absolutely. Um, I don't think that Pellegrini should change the starting 11 from the last two weeks and keep it the same. It might be boring and whatever that looks like, but it's a good match, and it's they're playing well together. So absolutely 100% start him. Jeff, please have my spot here. I stole yours previous. What? agree. He's going to go right back into the lineup. He only played 13 minutes. Let's face it, for these high-level athletes and the training that they do, that's really just uh, a run out for him. It's really not any kind of extra uh, pressure on him to get in that match. He probably loved it. He probably was floating above the pitch that he was back out there after his injury and the training for World Cup. So he goes right back into the starting eleven. All right, I will jump in here next. I'm going to be honest to my answer that I answered before knowing he only played a couple minutes. Um, but I'm going to say no. And I think, I think I'm, I came to this conclusion because Mikel Antonio got injured in that Newport match that he did not have to start. I think this is the perfect opportunity to put Fornals in a position for him to succeed. The starting lineup around him, Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson, Sebastian Allaire, Rice, Noble, all those guys insulating him. He's never been more protected than he would be right there. Um, he would it would be a good opportunity to give him an hour of starting time i think because if things go poorly in the first half he could be off at 45 minutes if you want to give him another chance to keep creating you keep him on for 60 or 70 and then you let uh manuel lanzini come back my point about antonio was that he had no point uh, you know he got over those injuries last year halfway through the season but at no point in his career has he been scot-free of injuries he's always seemed to pick up knocks so why risk him in a game that you don't have to? I agree West Ham probably need to win this game against Villa if you want to keep that momentum rolling forward. But my answer is no. Let him come off the bench and change the game as a sub and you know walk him back in and preserve his health a little bit there. Lewis, what do you think? <laughs> um, that was actually a very convincing argument, I have to say. <laughs> and you. <laughs> you've made me almost change my mind, but ah. I'm still not going to... Well, uh, no, Lanzini stays in for me. It's all about momentum at this stage of the season, I think. Um, three wins on the bounce. Lanzini started both Premier League games. He's looking good. Is uh, intertwining with Haller and Anderson. I mean, if Fernals was going to start, maybe... Maybe it's starting place of Yarmolenko of anything for me. Interesting. I know he. I know he got his goal last game, and like I say, momentum. So I still wouldn't. But if Fernals was going to start, I'd probably start him in place of Yarmolenko because Yarmolenko's, you know, up until his goal, he was probably our weakest player on the pitch against Norwich. Literally on the pitch. 
He was quietly a true warrior. Um, <laughs> all right, fair point. I'll prove you guys all wrong. Hopefully, I don't actually. Uh, Lewis, this will be our last question here. And sure. um, again, to set it up. <clears throat> excuse me again to set it up this was a question that hammers pulls uh created a youtube video about that jeremiah and i featured in i believe you were in a jeremiah as well <clears throat> and this question is very simple has var improved the game lewis please let me have your thoughts on this wow uh wow um as of yet no i think the concept of var is very good and it should work in time but as of yet no because i mean you get you still get instances like the last premier league weekend you had <laughs> ooh, well you had the alert penalty that wasn't even looked at by the by var and if that's happening then i just i just don't get what the turning point is when it goes from the ref's decision to VAR, why didn't that go to VAR? I don't get it. Then uh, you had the Grealish incident. I know VAR couldn't actually handle that because the ref already blew. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm being a bit tad harsh on VAR. There. And you had, I think it was Yuri Tielemans, Tielemans, uh, Leicester, the, can't remember who they were playing, but he stamped on someone's leg. And for all intents and purposes, he should have been sent off. Yeah. And I don't get why VAR didn't look at that either. And at the minute, even when it is VAR, I mean, you get you go back to the Man City game at home. We might we may have conceded an extra goal in that game, but it was all a bit of a mess, wasn't it? It all took too long for me. Yeah, I, I feel like I agree with you that in time it'll be good. But m my point in the video that I appeared on there was basically if you judge West Ham's season last year on its first, first month, it would have been a garbage throwaway season. So as much credit and time as we gave West Ham to improve, let's do the same for VAR here. And, and hopefully, mm. I think I think the big disconnect, as much as us as you know supporters and, and onlookers, are confused and a little bit disconnected, there's it seems to be a disconnect between the referee and the VAR official. And perhaps a little bit more patience on the play before blowing something completely at no, like a no penalty against Allaire or a dive like against mm -hmm. Grealish. You have VAR for a reason. You can check and change decisions that happen. Let's let's use that if if it's going to be there. Let's not over overthrow it before it can be used. So I'm, I'm with. I you. get the feeling time. that I get the feeling like VAR are a bit scared to undermine the refs at the minute. Mm. Um, That's a fair point. Yeah, like with the decisions I mentioned, I, I feel like they don't want to make, even though everyone knows they've made a wrong decision, I feel like VAR at the minute, I don't know, maybe it's just me thinking it, but maybe VAR are thinking, I don't want to overrule this ref and make him look stupid, even though everyone can already see that he's been stupid by not giving the decision. Jeff, let me hear your thoughts on this. I don't know if what any of us said just made sense. But. <laughs> it did, it did. I believe me, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, man, it's just, it's a lot of hand-wringing right now. And, and as someone growing up in North America, looking at North American sports and video replay in and out of the sports and the way it's been used, I, I just tend to think um, you're right. 
it's you can't judge it in the first month. It's it's got to get its kinks worked out. I ha- I have to believe that over the course of a full season, these things tend to work themselves out, and the calls that go against you from VAR, you tend to get back at some other point and vice versa, I, I think. And I'm probably optimistic at this point on that. I also think, as you mentioned, there's a disconnect right now between the official and the VAR official, and I think they, they probably, and although we'll, we're never going to hear about this, you would think that the officials and their organization are also coaching and critiquing the way that it's being used. They're learning from it as it goes because ultimately we we want as fans as we want it to be fair and we want the correct call to be made, whether it's by the official or by VAR when it comes to a goal or a red card or a dive or whatever the case may be. And so I think it's just a work in progress and it's really annoying right now, but I have to think that it's going to continue to improve and by the time we get to the end of the season, every club will have – those moments where they're ticked off or when it helped them. And I think if that's the case, then that's, that's a good thing, right? Everybody should be ticked off in the same boat and not just have the same clubs get the same benefits over and over and over again. Yeah. uh, One last point I'd like to make here is that um, you celebrating the goal is not a reason enough for us to throw away technology. That's going to make the right decision come into play. Jeremiah, please close us out here. Our last question. Let us know your thoughts on the controversial VAR. Yeah, so just like I said in the video, man, I agree. I, I think it has changed things, and I think it is going to be for the better. I think, obviously, there's been things that have been missed, and they're going to have to work out those kinks like we've all talked about. you know. And like you said, Jeff, growing up in North America, with all the different sports that we have, everything has replay and challenges and all of that, where it has started working out. Slowly but surely, it's worked its way out. And I think the same thing is going to happen. You know, there has been the missed penalties, but – We've also, you know, seen a lot of times where there'll be an offsides that's been called back. And uh, we saw it against Brighton on that free kick play that got called back. Uh, so there's been mm-hmm. successes from it as well. But I think that uh, you know, there's just a lot of kinks that needs to get worked out. And it, it will over time. But, yeah, so far I go with success. And I think it will be a success. Well, with that, we will close out episode 34 here. Thank you for listening. If you did, we appreciate it. Uh, Give us a like and a share on Twitter, social media, wherever you do, uh, wherever you do follow us. Um, Gentlemen, question for you all. Do you guys, are you guys FIFA players? If so, PlayStation, Xbox, what are we looking at here? PlayStation. Lewis? Yeah, PlayStation. I downloaded the FIFA demo about an hour before we went on here, actually, and I had a couple of games. How's it feel? Does it feel good so far? Mm, it feels a bit uh, sluggish to me personally, but I think that's probably just me as a player. <laughs> Jeff, did you say you're in there as well too? Same. I'm on X. I'm on Xbox One, but I always laugh about that too because, gosh, these games—the more they come out every year—they seem to get sluggish, and I think it's just me. I think my fast twitch is getting sluggish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm on Xbox One as well, so we will have hopefully some content coming out as well as some look at player ratings, which are uh, criminally underrated for West Ham, uh, including mm-hmm. a minus nine to strength yeah. for Sebastian Allaire. Anyways, we'll get into that in the future. Uh, Look for some more content on that, like I said, coming up. Uh, Until next week, come on you irons. Hope we get a win, and uh, we'll see you next week.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.